what makes me happy is setting out to accomplish something and actually being able to achieve it. My name is Kai Lawson, Kai Devereaux Lawson, before my mama kills me. And I am a senior integrated producer and a co-host of Mixed Company Podcast. What makes me happy is dancing forever. I'm Karina Schultz, project manager at Sachi Wellness and co-host of Mixed Company. What makes me happy is hanging with the homies. And I like hanging with the homies around the world. So going to different countries and finding new people to chill with. Uh, my name is Simeon Coker, and I'm the founder of Indigo and Pirate, a social venture that works to make agencies more diverse and inclusive. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. All right, here we go with three questions. I like this one, and I did uh, ask Oprah this once. So a couple of you chose this, so I'm going to ask this one. This is also known as the Oprah question. What's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that surprised you, and why is that? And Kai, why don't you start? So something that I've learned recently, professionally, is just mainly just about boundaries and I don't I don't know if this is what I said earlier but like just setting my boundaries because what I recognize is people are going to ask me to do anything in my career and in my space and in my world and in my network and I'm a natural giver so I will constantly just do and continue to just work hard and like I said like I'm happy if I'm accomplishing something but sometimes that's draining so I have to set boundaries ahead of time to let people know what I will and will not tolerate and what I can and can't do that way I'm able to preserve myself and that has allowed me to gain more balance in my personal life and in my career. What did I learn to just go for it? This year I learned that I switched careers and it was a long time of planning, but I really wish I just went for it. And even with doing this podcast, you know, what matters is if you have something, if you have an idea to just go for it, you can plan all day. But the real learning is when you go for it. I think the thing that I learned uh, recently is that no one's going to do it like I'm going to do it. This social venture that I'm building, it really came from me after me pitching this idea at multiple agencies that I've worked at and not getting the response that I felt was worthy of, especially when agencies were telling me that they were committed to diversity and inclusion. So one of the things that I just, I just said, you know what, I have to do it because if I wanted the idea to remain pure and the other thing that I realized in this process is that the things that may, that I may be good at are hard. <laughs> So I've been working at it and figuring out ways to be disciplined about it. Simeon, let's, st let's stick with you. What should we be talking about in 2018? You're the one who posed this question. And I like that you posed this question because there's a bit to unpack in 2018, isn't there? I think the thing that we should be talking about are practical ways to reach the goals that, we've, that we talk about all the time for diversity and inclusion. I think we've, we've been talking about this for almost, I think almost 50 years. And I think it's about time that we actually start seeing results because we should be further along than we are right now. Especially because we're this industry that prides ourselves on 
being strategic. So I think at this point, we should be seeing results that reflect the strategicness that we always talk about. Yeah, I would agree with that. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Anyone else want to add something to that? Yeah, I don't think we should be talking about too much more in 2018. I think 2018, we should just be doing. And I think we're seeing that a lot with movements starting. And I think that we're also seeing that we're seeing that people are getting more comfortable getting their hands dirty. And that's what the trend or whatever the more consistent active word for that's the new habit, I guess. That's a good word. That's the habit that people should be taking on in 2018 and beyond is getting your hands dirty. And let's not talk about the things anymore. Let's just do. Well, it's, it's one thing to start getting that momentum. And what I've seen over the, and I'll just say many years <laughs> that I've been in the business, is starts and stops, starts and stops. How do we keep momentum moving on action? That's the big thing right there. I think the start and stop happens because if you're the only person doing it, you can get burnt out. You can get discouraged. To keep the momentum, there's there has to be encouragement and there's actually have to see some action happening, right? So you can be the only person advocating in your agency, but if you feel that you're locked, you don't feel like change is happening, you don't see it, people are saying things, but it's empty words, that's discouraging. And... The great thing is that there are so many voices that are being uplifted and there's change that's actually happening. It's keeping that momentum. So there's one thing of just starting something and being a flash in the pan, but there's also encouragement to keep that light going. Uh, and just to piggyback off of that, um, going back to, to the strategic angle, I think if we're treating diversity and inclusion like a campaign, then we have a goal that we want to reach and there are KPIs that we're putting in place that need to be met. So I think before with the stopping, what happened is that the goal was just diversity, which is which isn't really it's too lofty. It isn't really a thing. But when you put a KPI against it where we want this amount of women, we want this amount of people of color and that's the goal, then you don't stop until you reach that goal. I would agree. I would agree. I like this question. No one's ever, no one's ever put this question down is one to ask. So the the third question that no one's chosen this one. I don't think if your life were a song, what would it be and why? I like this one. I chose this one. (laughs) It's random as hell. It's still standing by Elton John. It's a song about resilience. And to me, I, you, you can laugh. I'm all about unicorns and rainbows, but I love that song because when I'm like, I'm still here. And that's what the song is about. So, okay. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Kai, fly like an eagle. Is that fly like an eagle? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, mine is just as empowering, but probably a little darker. So, I'm a really huge hip hop fan. And, Sometimes if things are really getting rough for me, I'll put on Victory, um, which was on the, was that on No Way Out or was that, yeah, which was like the, for the first song on the No Way Out album on Bad Boy. And it had like the Notorious B.I.G., it had Puffy on it, it had Busta Rhymes and like just the idea of the anticipation that the song builds. So the production value of it and it's it's dark and it's hard and it, it makes me want to fight. 
um, not necessarily literally, but definitely figuratively, and just to go hard. Like the the lyrics are, the sun don't shine forever, but as long as it's here, then we might as well shine to shine together. Better now than never. Business before pleasure, and like it just goes on, and it's for me. Like I think that came out. I was like ten, maybe nine. <laughs> no, like that's it came out a long time when I was a kid hearing that, and I was like, yeah, like this is hard. Like you do gotta go hard. You do gotta put your put your business, be about your business. You do have to be about your word. You do have to know how to navigate around haters, and then you do have to win at the end. So um, it's probably not at that poetic if other people listen to me, but you know, it hits me at the right space and in, in my heart. So your life is a compilation. Your life is not just a specific song. My life is. <laughs> My life of Kai is an entire compilation of lots of things, but yes, that is it. All right, Simeon, you you had a chance to think about this one now. What's what's your answer? So my song is from a similar era, and it's "Money, Power, Respect" by The Locks, featuring Little Kim, and the chorus is basically repeating that over and over. Um, "Money, Power, Respect" is what you need in life, and that song has always kind of stuck with me. Uh, it's what probably twenty twenty five years old at this point but for each this is my third career that I'm venturing on right now those have always kind of been my goals and they haven't been interchangeable it's always been I need all three all three make up the package for success so it's not just money it's not just power it's 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 also respect and I think when we talk about diversity and inclusion like those are all three things that were fighting for because it's diversity inclusion and social equity so the power and the respect are part of that that last thing which is social equity so that's always the song that kind of gets me pumped and i refer back to it at um times when i need some um pumping up yeah all right let's go over to the must list let's start with a must do yeah. Who wants to go first? You gotta, you you must travel beyond like the whole thing where you know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you just you gotta take vacation, take time for yourself. You gotta see things to say you saw things. I think in the conversations that we have honestly become thought leaders, like we can't speak about being inclusive and under and being empathetic to other people and other cultures and other perspectives unless we can say that we do that ourselves. So for me, traveling is obviously about seeing the world because that's cool, but it's also about gaining new perspective through the eyes of other people. Like for me, there's nothing like going to another country and looking at their news to see how they perceive my country and my world and the things that I do, because that then takes me outside of my world and just the knowledge that I have so that I can bring that back to the conversation and forget about playing devil's advocate. Let's just talk about being a world advocate. Like, yes, this is how I feel, but here are, here are several other perspectives from several parts of the world and several parts of my city or my state that somebody else that I'm in conversation with may not necessarily have access to. What does the world think about us right now? <laughs> Speaking of that. Well, 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 let me tell you. Well, well, actually, no, I'll I tell you what. I, I was in Paris back in January. And one of the things that I wanted to do was obviously do like the general like, oh, 
you know, we got to go see the Eiffel Tower. You know, we got to eat all the crepes that we can find on the street. But I also, I haven't really, in the past, I've never heard about black cultures or black history in Europe. And as I was Googling, I found that there is, I guess, a, a, a travel group. Well, not a travel group. It's my, the person that took me around. What are they called? My tour. It's a tour guide. Um, and it was called uh, Le Paris Noir. And basically, he gives you a black history tour of Paris from the perspective of a black Parisian. And one of the things that we were talking about was the similarities in the diversity and inclusion or representation conversations that they're having in Paris and how how similar they are to what we discuss in the United States. And the irony to that is when I speak to people from Paris in the United States, we all acknowledge like, oh, well, there probably isn't as much racism or discrimination in Europe or in Paris. And he was like, but wait, it may not look like that overtly, but very clearly, if I if as he was laying out several situations that have happened with police brutality and discrimination and or misrepresentation of, of colored people in their media, it was literally like episode by episode of what we talked about on Mixed Company. And then going deeper to, to find out that he also uh, the tour guide also has his own podcast in Paris that speaks about representation of people in the French community. And I was like it's crazy to travel so far and still have the same conversations and we barely speak the same language, but we definitely have very similar experiences. People get it. Like we're more similar than we are different. And the perception of the United States that I received from having conversations with people over there was like, we feel you, we get where you're coming from. That really sucks. And like we empathize, like there's empathy in ways that we may not necessarily have empathy for people overseas. So that was that was different to be on the conversation of like, man, we feel bad for you. And I'm like, child, I live in New York City. You don't gotta feel bad for me. <laughs> a must do is travel, I agree. Kai and Sim are way more traveled than I am and they've been an inspiration for me to get out there and to travel more internationally because of the experiences and it, it broadens your your knowledge and how you approach people and just how you see the world. So I definitely think it's a must do even no matter what chance you get, whether it's for work or, or not, um, to see how people, how other people live and, and see the notice the similarities and differences. You know, I want to experience that as well. I got you. What is a must experience, maybe more on the work side of things? Everyone wants to do implicit bias training. I think it's necessary because a lot of us aren't aware of the biases that we have until they're pointed out. And I've had the pleasure of, I, I came into advertising through a diversity program and uh, it was a fellowship and every six months we went through a different form of diversity training and there was always some sort of implicit bias in there. And I think as a person of color, as a black man, the default without going through through those trainings would be, oh, I can't be biased. Like, what would I be biased against? They're, the world is kind of stacked against me. But going through those trainings, I realized the privileges that I had where I had parents that went to college and my parents, we were middle class and, you know, we 
we never really wanted for anything. We had everything that we needed. Even something as simple as my father being able to help me with my homework was a privilege. And through those implicit bias trainings, it really changed the way that I looked at other people, especially white people, looking at those who I guess are lower income and seeing what disadvantages they have and how that plays into the diversity and inclusion conversation, uh, especially when they when people talk about diversity of thought, I think those when you when you go through those trainings and you really take them seriously and you take them to heart, it affects how you move through the world, not just in the workplace, but how you deal with people on a day to day basis. Let's move on to this next must, the must read. So each of you had something that's a must read. So real quick, tell me what it is and why it's important for people to read. My must read is Chimamanda. Adiche, we're all feminists. And I think after reading that, I, as a dude, again, like going through these implicit bias trainings, I realized that I had biases toward women, even though they weren't the most overt, but they were still there and they were, it was affecting how I was dealing with women on a day to day basis. So I think it's a must read for men. I think it's also, I think it's a must read for everyone, but. It's definitely a must read for men if you truly want to be partners with women in life and in the workplace. Mine was the confidence code. And um, it is, I know that confidence is something that we don't really talk about, like in the struggles, unless you're doing your reviews or whatever. But for me, it was a revealing book that we struggle with our confidence even from a young age and how that carries that into our adult lives. And it's my it's been my personal struggle. So the book was really helpful just to pinpoint, you know, okay, back when I was a kid, like that could have affect how I see or interact with someone now and how to overcome that. But it's also made me more cognizant, you know, of younger girls in my family, like that their confidence is just being formulated right now and to be more delicate of how I interact with them. So they won't have the same struggles or questions that I have and had it as an adult. Mine is The Tanning of America by Steve Stout. I read that within like the first six months of getting into advertising because I was longing for being the college rep that I was back in college. And essentially the book is for anybody that has interest in pop culture from the 90s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Anybody that has a love for music, especially a love for hip hop, and understanding how all of that meshes together very beautifully with marketing and with advertising and how people that I dare say that are like me and have interests like me can make it and be successful in this business. Well, it helps with empathy too, because it's it's education. I'd learned when, when I was working at the hip hop station, I learned a ton, not just about the music, but about cultures in my own country. And I think we're really quick to look at cultures outside of our country. And we forget that we need to be looking at cultures inside our country first, even, even my own city, which I think is really interesting. I think that em empathy is extremely important. It's an amazing book. Like I, I, I honestly hope that somebody's college is picking it up and making it mandatory reading. It's great. Let's go to a must learn quickly. Each of you give me a quick must learn and why. Mine is boundaries for the same reason I said earlier. Learn, learn your personal limits and, and, and you be the master of when they move and when they shrink. That's good. But I would say use your voice, even if it shakes. I, 
my heart really goes for people who are just entering this industry and they're coming and not knowing what the hell is going on, but they can see when something is going wrong or know when someone's not knowing what they're, what they're doing, you know, to use your voice and to find a way how to use your voice, you know, how to be assertive. It doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. I wish I knew that a little bit more as I entered the industry. I like that. I like both of those. You got, you got, you got, you, you, you got, you got tough two to follow there, Simeon. You know, mine's is learn your, learn your weakness. This is something that I've like struggled with and I'm constantly learning new things that I'm, I'm weak at. As a kid, <laughs> Kai's uh, giving me the eye. Um, but as a kid in school, learning came kind of easy to me and that became almost a disadvantage a little bit because I didn't learn discipline. And so now that I'm an adult, especially venturing out on my own, I'm constantly learning what my weaknesses are and how to overcome them. And it's it's a daily thing because I'm constantly learning something new that I'm really bad at. Um, and so it's it's a testament. Well, it's not necessarily a testament, but it's it's a trial and error thing that's making me stronger at being a person. We're going to go to a question that you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you. And the idea here is for you to answer that question that you shared with me in advance. So I'm going to ask the question and then you can go ahead and answer it. So Simeon, uh, your question is, what do I want the outcome of my actions to be in 20 years? How would you answer that question? That I was effective. Uh, I think as a creative and I've always been creative and I've always been somewhat of a communicator. And I told this to somebody the other day that if I wasn't in advertising and I was a little bit more religious, I would be a pastor uh, because <laughs> everyone, in, everyone in the room is laughing <laughs> because I like Hennessy. That's why they're laughing. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the reason is I've always saw the pastor's role as like being this motivational speaker slash communicator slash low-key savior and i i don't know i think that's what attracted me to advertising was that being a communicator has an outcome like what you put out through your creativity you're something is supposed to, to happen and in 20 years i want to look back and say that everything that i did had a positive effect on the masses i like it I like it a lot. Yeah, I would say that's that's my my answer. Uh, Karina, you said, what does success mean to you? So what does success mean to you? It's taking care of my family. Um, my grandmother has brought us all, everybody, up to the United States. So I'm the first American. And she worked her behind off. And it would be a tribute to take care of my family. I know a lot of people, they hustle to do this and make millions and do all that. But to know that I'm here for my family, whatever they want to do, whatever, you know, they have the, the power or they have the, the ability to do whatever they want to do. They don't have to stay with a reasonable job or whatever. I feel happy that I can do that. Advertising doesn't really make sense to my family, but the fact that I can do it and that I can pay my bills for it makes sense to them. 
And so I want to pay that forward to the next generation of our family that they can do whatever they want and have the confidence to be successful and know that their family has their back. I can sympathize with the family not understanding what you do for a living thing, but (laughs) you're right. I, I, I like your point of view there. I like your point of view. But I can sympathize with that. My mother still is like, what do you actually do? Like, uh, there are days I don't know. <laughs> According to my grandma, I do commercials. That's, that's as much as advertising she knows. Like, don't go into any more details. So. <laughs> that's very wise. Kai, I did not get a question from you. So should I just, should I throw one out? Yeah, throw one out. I was like, I volunteer so much information. I talk so much that I don't know if there's a question. No, I got one. That I, got one. I need to be asked. I got All right, one. yeah, I'm ready. I'm here. Okay. How does growing up in Philly inform the way that you do things today? <sighs> That's really good. I like that one. Um, it makes me hustle really hard. And I'll tell you, where I'm from is one of the western suburbs of Philadelphia, Chester County, which is, if you if you like to Google, uh, the richest counties in uh, Pennsylvania and within the United States. Generally, Chester County pops up. But my experience in living in Chester County was seeing people being really comfortable because they are uh, very affluent and people being very comfortable because they don't think or they don't feel that they can grow past their circumstances of poverty or of lower middle class dumb, if you will. Um, Me, I, I used to read. I used to look at magazines. I used to just want to know and learn everything. I used to watch CNN. So I You know, in the 90s, I just knew everything there was to know about Baghdad. Like, I felt like I had traveled. But the people around me, I I often felt, did not want to share those experiences of getting out of your hometown and going to travel and getting a really great paying job in a big city and living on your own. Like, they just... They didn't see it that way, and and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, but I did know that that wasn't me, and therefore my entire goal growing up was to get the hell out of there and do all the things that I knew was feasible, even though so many people told me that I wasn't practical. I ended up also finding a lot of friends from the area as I went to college and graduated college, and, and, and a lot of them have the same perspective, where we just wanted to grow And being home for me felt stifling for me. It's not like that for everybody, but for me, it wasn't the fertile ground that I needed to be on or within in order to become the person that I am now and the person I'm growing to be. Again, I can sympathize with this. Having gone to middle school, high school, families basically from outside of Philadelphia and South Jersey, it was a nice place to plant a seed, but... I had to transplant it as well. And I think the thing that I notice about me is that the Philly comes out every so often. And I think, I don't want to say it's like a chip on my shoulder. I mean, Bennett, is it a chip on my shoulder? Do I have a chip on my shoulder? I don't think it's a ch- I don't think it's a chip. And I'll tell you why. Because most people I know from back home, we are just very deliberate. And, ve- and some people say it's aggressive. I don't think it's aggressive. I think we're very serious about the things that we, we want. Like I said what I said. There's not much mincing of words right. where I'm from or where we're from. And I appreciate that. 
Um, so when people say they don't understand what I said, now I know you're playing with me because I was very clear. <laughs> I was very clear with what my expectations were. But you know, it's 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 just not for everybody. And like for every for all my friends that are still home, like I get it. Like they wanted that American dream, the picket fence, the kids, the husband, the wife, the house. I was Ariel in The Little Mermaid, and I just, <laughs> I wanted to be where the people were, you know, and, and, and I did that. So as much as I may have rejected my hometown as a kid, I appreciate what, it, what it's doing for me now, which is making me reach very far for the stars. You can take the people out of Philly, but, right? Child, listen, listen, get caught up in it if you want to. You can catch these hands. <laughs> Every guest on our show gets a chance to talk about whatever they want for a minute or two. So each of you go around for about a minute and you just freestyle whatever you want to talk about for a minute. I guess the thing that I want to talk about, I'm, I just started, I found this podcast called The Nod that is all about black culture and I've been diving into it Um it's it's really interesting to me because they uncover a lot of stories that we wouldn't necessarily hear during Black History Month or on a regular basis and that's that's all I've been like diving into lately and it's um yeah that's my that's my freestyle. Oh, I'm excited to be on a panel. We're having an event for mixed company uh for black girls who consider CT and um I've never been on a panel so I'm excited about that. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about the podcast, Mixed Company. We are a raw and sometimes very unfiltered podcast about diversity and inclusion or in parentheses or the lack thereof in in creative spaces and industries. And um, every other Monday we get together, the three of us, to sit down and discuss our experiences, the things that we're seeing trending, um, as well as our perspective about what's to come. And for the last two and a half years, I know that that's definitely been our safe space to have real conversations about what we see, to clarify when we feel that there's some gaslighting going on, um, and to also provide practical solutions because we don't want people, we don't want to just be angry. Being angry isn't helpful for anybody. We want to make sure that we are focusing on creating change, not just for ourselves, but for the people coming up behind us. So when people get a chance, they need to listen to Mixed Company. Cool. You guys, we're unfiltered too. I don't know why. <laughs> we're Scottish. You're allowed to curse if you want to. I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't think I needed it. I was like, I'm trying. Listen, Doug, this is what you're not going to do. I'm trying to do better with my life, okay? Because I'm trying to be a little mature, okay? So if I didn't, if it wasn't in me, but you know it's what? It's fine. Now I feel bad. No one's, no one's ever made me feel bad for not cursing. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-mm. I'll say I didn't have, I didn't have any, I didn't have anything to drink before I came here. So you're getting me in my most, uh, a safe state. That's no, it's all, it's. It, <laughs> I love it. I'm just playing around. We wrap up every show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. So what would be everyone's final word? Take time for you. I know we're all career focused. We are all trying to make it out here. We're all trying to be bosses, all of that, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to take time for you because you cannot be the best you unless you take time for yourself. And if you don't, that has physical, mental implications as well. So 
always take a moment for yourself, whether it's reflecting, whatever it may be, take a moment for you. My piece of advice, uh, I know this is a show for women, but um, it's geared toward men and it's, well, I guess it could be geared toward women too, which is uh, ask for help. Uh, That's something that I've been doing over the last couple of months and I never really did it before a lot or it would take me a lot to ask for help, um, but I've been doing it a lot more frequently or lately. It's been life changing. So yeah, ask for help. Well, since you said I didn't curse enough, I just advise everybody not to be afraid to go fuck some shit up. I just heard, I think I heard the most uh, inspiring sentence or, or piece of advice from somebody else a few weeks ago where it was in a poem and he said, you know, I don't mean to cause trouble, but I do mean to trouble you. And I think that that's a really important thing to say in this space where, you know, we're here to create change and to hold a mirror up at an industry that doesn't necessarily always get to see itself um, from the people that matter most, aka the consumers, aka the people that work within it. So for me, it's if, if I feel comfortable saying it, it's coming out of my mouth and it's going to go into your ears. And what you choose to do with it from that point is all on you. So go ahead and, and, and shake some shit up. I love it. I love it. Kai, Karina, Simeon, you're, so you're, the, first, uh, you're the first guy on the show, by the way. So I, I, thought, I'd, I thought I'd point that out. I know. And I, I've, I was very conscious of that. I think that's why I wasn't cursing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's I was fair. trying to, you know, mind my, yeah, I was trying to be a gentleman, but I, I do have a filthy mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. But the podcast is mixed company. I really appreciate all of you joining me on the show today. Kai, you and I have gotten a chance to know each other a little bit, and I have to say, I, you know, I just I think the world of what you guys are doing, I think the world of each of you, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with you next time I'm back in New York, and best wishes for continued success, and thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. 